What I'd like to do now is uh, spend a moment in prayer. This is a, a video to help you in your weekly time of being more focused on God than anything else, to help us as a spiritual community be growing together, sharing the spiritual journey of life together, its challenges, but also the guidance that we get from God in how to do life. And I know that you may be going through any one of a number of different challenges. And I want you to know that Rebecca and I, we care about you so very much. And we pray for you and we love you. And we're so thankful to have had the chance uh, to share the last a number of years with you. And we're looking forward to what God is going to do as we share life together in the fall. Uh, there's so many good ideas and new ideas um, that God is bringing us. But I just want to pray for you today um, and our time in the message. God, <clears throat> we come to you believing you're worthy of praise. You're unmatched, more powerful than any other. And faithful and tender and compassionate in love. I thank you, God, that you are alive, aware, able, and active. I thank you, God, that you save us because you love us. You lead us because you love us. We praise you today, God. And wherever people are at as they're watching this and listening to this, God, I just pray that you would help them to be more focused on you, aware of your presence, the comfort of your companionship, the comfort of your guidance in life. Lord, help us. Help us to learn from the words of Jesus. Help us to grow in faith. Help us to grow in peace. Help us to grow in joy. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. I thank you, God, for the guidance given to us through Jesus. Help us today, Holy Spirit, to hear what the, Jesus has instructed us to do and to respond the way you'd want us to. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so the followers of Jesus noticed the way that he prayed and that it was unique, and they wanted to learn from him. Um, they saw that he would withdraw to pray, and they saw him pray in public uh, spaces, and they heard him pray with them. And Jesus brings them in this teaching moment, and he says, hey, have some frequent private personal prayer time with God. And he says, don't repeat words that are meaningless to you, thinking that the repeated activity will get you what you want. But instead, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. May your will be done, um, excuse me, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So we have just, we're in uh, part four of this because we've just finished um, the last few messages looking at the beginning. Praise you God, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've just looked at that where the start of prayer is it's all about God. We're not letting our issues dominate our prayer conversation with God. Uh, the way that uh, Tim Keller says it um, in the book Prayer, which is on the book table if you're coming to in-person church and we'd be glad for you uh, to have available. He says this in talking about the beginning of the prayer, adoration and thanksgiving, God-centeredness. It comes first because it heals the heart of its self-centeredness, which curves in on ourselves and distorts all our vision. 
And we looked at in the last message the importance of the lesson we see in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord of all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It sets us up and make it possible for us to don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. There's a benefit to memorizing this prayer Jesus gives us so that you can reflect on it, think about it, unpack it, then rephrase it as you pray through it to pray through it in your own words. It's a way to have true relationship time with God. It's a way to have conversation and encounter, relationship moments and interaction. And I know that that is not entirely easy and life comes at us fast and we might, as soon as we wake up in the morning, just end up stressing about the work day or about a problem that we're facing, a challenge that we have, anxiety we have about, about the future. That's a part of the human experience. But if we will grow in our self-control, in our spiritual strength, we can grow in this ability to use this pattern for prayer, like a power tool, giving you an ability you didn't have on your own to gain more self-control, to instead start my morning focused on how good God is. And it reshapes, it reorients me, and it helps me de-stress and start with gratitude. It helps me start with thanking God for my salvation, which I think is was something that I really focused on through the, the 14 plus months of, of coronavirus really changing our lives. Starting my morning just with focusing on the reality that I have received salvation through Jesus, new spiritual life, a new heart, forgiveness of sins, a hope of heaven, receive that through the miracle of Jesus, the love of God through Jesus. Starting with gratitude really helped my stress management, really helped me still find joy through all that time of the way that coronavirus affected our lives. And so now I think it's important as we come to part four in this this sentence, give us each day the food we need. If we orient ourselves that way, it really makes a change to how we pray. It's like, God, supply my needs, not too much, not too little, so that I don't resent you or forget you. God, supply my daily needs so I don't resent you or forget you. Tim Keller says it like this, we come with our needs expectant of positive response. But we do so changed by our satisfaction in him, our trust in him. We do not come arrogantly um, and anxiously telling him what has to happen. Many things we could have otherwise agonized over, we now ask for without desperation. Augustine reminds us that daily bread is a metaphor for necessities rather than luxury. And I think that comes from the prayer that we see in Proverbs chapter 30 verses 8 through 9. Give us, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So give us each day our daily bread. It's a part of the relationship moments. Jesus is giving us guidance for walking out a real 
life-giving relationship with God through the realities of life that come our way. And I think the Bible gives us some really good perspective on the various ways that God does provide for our needs. Deuteronomy 8.18 gives us the perspective that it was God who gives us the ability to earn money. And that verse is actually set in the context of God's good news, his redemptive work, his plan helping lead the human race. Uh, we also see this referenced in Proverbs 8.21. We are encouraged to value wisdom and to seek it out. Most often, this results in the ability to earn wealth. God gives us that ability. God gives us the recommendation to value wisdom and to seek it out. It's another way of God providing for us that maybe you haven't thought about. We should consider the reality that for everyone to have their daily bread, we need a thriving economy, good employment, and a just society. We serve a God of justice and a God of mercy. We see, serve a God of peace, the shalom peace, which includes in it, when you do a word study in the Bible, bringing all parties to restoration, to full health, to, to being whole, to being made complete. And that's a part of God's value system. And he gives us a chance in our lives to be a part of that on a larger society scale. Well, I know that that may be a little bit much for us to think about today. But when, when we're thinking about praying this prayer, God, give us each day our daily bread. I think it's also important for us to remember that God cares about our motives. Pastor James gives us advice on this and, and, and it is practical and open and honest about the reality that we don't, we don't always get what we ask God for. He says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only, you want only what will give you pleasure. Okay, Pastor James, that's kind of intense. That's harsh, That, but it's real. God cares about our motives. And like a good parent, God doesn't always get us the things, give us the things that we ask for. When kids are young, they, they might, if you let them, eat candy until they get sick. Sometimes the things that we think we need are not what's best for us. What we see, though, is that God is our provider, Jehovah Jireh, right? Our provider. And that God has provided a way for us to receive salvation. God has given us life on this earth. God's common grace causes the sun to rise and gives us sunlight and the ability to move around without the darkness. God has given us bodies that have a respiratory system, a circulatory system, right? A digestive system. God has given us the ability to breathe. God has given us the ability to enjoy life, to laugh, to enjoy pleasure. God has provided for us in many unbelievable ways. Um, and what we see is that God's provision also includes life-giving relationships that can be developed with this interdependent mutual submission, this sharing life, this sharing the provision that comes from God, and that that God provides for the needs of people who are generous as a part of this big picture. Think about this. Um, Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 6, verses 36 through 38. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Talking about God. Do not judge others or 
and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together and to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine what the amount you get back. This teaching of Jesus became a part of their church culture. It was something that he taught. It was something that they caught. And, and, and think about this reality. This passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, brings us a really beautiful and rich and deep idea about God's provision and how we can be involved in God's provision for other people. And I've seen that in my own life as other people have been a part of God providing for me and God's given me a part of the opportunity to share in it and help provide for other people. This is a really beautiful picture. Check this out uh, about the church in Corinth and what believers around uh, the world at that time were experiencing this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now, this is talking about giving money towards a need for other believers, being a part of the provision. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, right? Something that's a part of our church culture. We don't pressure people to give money. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. These are connected thoughts. It's a connected thing. As you're giving, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Then they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. (laughs) The believers of Jesus in this particular situation, a local church that was a majority people who were not Jewish by birth, who didn't come up in the Jewish faith, they were Gentiles. And so there, before their um, receiving grace in Jesus, there was racial tension. Jews didn't like them, they didn't like them. The church in Jerusalem that they're sending money to, the people in Jerusalem that had gone through a catastrophe that needed help, was a church that was mostly people that were Jews. So here we have, set in a racialized setting, a setting with tension, a setting where people of different education levels, economic levels, might have normally had disdain for each other, because they had all received faith um, 
in the salvation of Jesus, forgiveness of their sins, this new spiritual life. It was a community forming event. And they had faith that God was providing for them. And then they were able to choose courageous generosity, to choose to live on less of their own time, energy, and money, to send a gift to people that they might normally have disdain for. The Mothership Church, right? The first church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. They didn't say, you guys were first, you guys are bigger, so we're not going to send a gift, you must be all right. No, they chose courageous generosity. Something that we've done since the beginning of this church is, from the beginning of this church, we have sent out part of the money that you give to meet needs in other places like Haiti, where we have supported people that care for children whose parents cannot care for them. And and many other things, a grocery distribution, many of the things, we choose that kind of generosity in our church. And it's included in this context of our daily prayer. God, will you please provide for me my daily needs? In this life of faith, Because we believe God provides for our needs, we're able to make careful reason and faith-filled choices to be generous. And it's set in the context of we've received salvation from God. And then it helps us choose to trust God with our finances. Trust God with our time and our energy. Trust God with our daily needs. It's amazing how this good news of Jesus makes a change. And they had an idea called blessed to be a blessing. And it's something that people have faith in God have had for a long time. And I want to unpack it just briefly here. We see it kind of remarkably in a story that maybe you have or have not heard. First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine and 10. uh, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Where does Jabez get this idea of being blessed to be a blessing? Well, it actually came much earlier Through Abraham, recorded in Genesis chapter 12. God is speaking about the future Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, that would come through the ancestry of Abraham and that would make a difference for the whole world. And this is what God says to Abraham. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So when I start my morning, for me personally, what I've learned to do, even before I pray, God, give me each day my daily bread, is I thank God for my salvation. And I think about the reality that the way I've been able to receive new spiritual life and forgiveness in Jesus It's a blessing. It's the most important thing about my life. It's more important than the the, the balance of my checkbook, right? It's more important than how much money is in the account. It's more important than the, the size of the house, what kind of car, what kind of clothes. It's more important than any other thing. This salvation that I've received from God through Jesus. So I am already blessed and according to God's word, 
I am blessed to be a blessing to others. That blessing to me is not something just to be kept with me, but something to be shared. So I'm already blessed to be a blessing. That really changes how I come to God with this, God, please give us each day our daily bread. Now, I'm like, whoa, okay, God has already shown me amazing love. God has already blessed me to the point where I can never give more to God than he has already given me. It's just not possible, right? I don't have to walk around with shame, guilt, all those things anymore, right? My guilt's been removed. I've got access to God, this personal relationship with God, real peace, real love, real joy. So whatever's going on in my life, in my finances, my job, my challenges, the world around me, my daily needs... God's already proven that he cares. God's already proven that he cares about my most important needs. God's already proven that he is a provider. In fact, that story where we get the name Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is about salvation, is about forgiveness of sin. So when I start with, thank you, God, for this salvation in Jesus, my whole what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, my whole psychology of the conversation has been changed. When I think about who I'm talking to, when I think about who I'm talking to, my stress level changes. It's easier for me to believe that it's going to be okay. And I've been there. I've been at a place where there is no money in the account. In fact, I owe the, the bank a little bit of money for that overdraft. I've been there before. I've been at a place before where all of a sudden catastrophic things happen and I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I've been there before. What I found is that that's, that's temporary. It's always temporary. And that I'm still alive today. That God still provided breath in my lungs, a roof over my head, clothes for my body, something to drive, something to eat, love in my life. In fact, with forgiveness of sins, new spiritual life, I'm kind of wealthy in a way. I'm rich in a way. And so how I ask this question is completely changed. And remember, we've already praised God and said, let your kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy come and your will done whatever you want done. God, I submit to you. I trust you on earth as it is in heaven. But I'm also asking God to do things the way that he does in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, according to his dreams and desires and plans, which would not, which would mean that the things that I'm experiencing in life, maybe they should be different. Maybe God's going to provide me creativity, answers, new things. So when I, I pray, God, give us each day our daily bread. A part of my needs are, sure, food, food to eat, a place to sleep, clothes, right? Um, health. Um, but every area of my life includes my thoughts and my emotions. God, give me peace in my mind, in my heart. Grant me this joy of salvation. But also in that daily, maybe it's also, God, I need creativity for this problem. God, I need answers for how to overcome this obstacle. God, I need wisdom. The Bible says that God answers the prayer for wisdom. And maybe it's, God, will you provide for the needs of my family, of my home, of the other people in my life that I'm responsible for taking care of? 
God, will you give me the energy that I need today, the ability to do the things that I believe you want me to do today? God, let every area of my life would you provide each day. And each day, really, it's progressive language. It's going forward in the future. God, give me the peace of mind that you're going to provide every day. That's included in this prayer. God, give us each day what we need. God, I thank you that you have blessed me to be a blessing. God, like Jabez, I pray, will you bless me to be a blessing? Expand my capacity to be a blessing to others, the borders of my tent, my territory, my my circle of influence, my ability to be a blessing to others. Bless me with an expanded ability and with a protection from evil and, and with an awareness of your presence and awareness. God, help me to be aware of the reality of your companionship and your guidance. Those are things that we need, right? And I think wrapped up in this too, the prayer Jesus gave us of pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers into the harvest. Those of you who've been walking with God for a while, you know what I mean by that. It's a, it's an important and a helpful prayer. So I hope that you can see that this is a life-giving thing. It's a power tool. It gives us an ability we wouldn't have on our own. And I hope that you can see that this brings us to a place of not just stress praying and just talking about the things that we're anxious about, but actually growing up into being able to draw from God's spiritual strength and peace, no matter what the circumstances in our life are, and to call on God for what we do need with our motives brought into check, brought into alignment with God, but also believing for what would be miraculous. Remember the followers of Jesus that Jesus spoke this to, they were seeing Jesus do miracles and they were hearing the encouragement to pray for miracles. So it's all included in this. And and when we get involved in meeting the needs of other people, in being the hands and feet of Jesus, of being the the avenue of provision, it's amazing the way the spiritual community grows, how how much of a life-giving thing it is. And so being perceptive to the needs of others and asking God for help, maybe asking God to give us what that other person needs so that we can give it to them. It's amazing the sense of spiritual community that comes up through that. And so I hope you can be encouraged to pray like this. God, I praise you. Would your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us each day our daily bread. Will you allow me to pray for you today? God, I thank you so very much that you have already provided. Lord, just for us to be sharing in these moments together, you've already provided. You've already given us life. You've already given us food to eat. You've already given us an ability to earn. You've already given us relationships with each other. You've already given us the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the words of Jesus. Thank you. You have already blessed us to be a blessing. God, I ask that you help us to be honest in our prayers, unpack what we're thinking and feeling in our prayers, and for us to grow in these relationship moments with you, honest interaction with you. Help us to grow in that, and that our faith would grow through it, that our spiritual strength would grow through it. I thank you, God, for who you are, for all you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I hope this is helpful to you. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.